Well, good evening, everybody. A lot of love tonight. I love it. We're so excited that you guys are here with us tonight at the gathering. Did you guys have a good 4th of July? I mean, who needs a fireworks show when you have fireworks like that worship right now? That's truly amazing. Give your guys a hand for being so in the spirit right now. But my name is Dustin Anderson. I get to be the speaker tonight. And I'm just so blessed to be able to hear and get the chance to speak to you guys. And doing what I truly love is sharing the Word of God. And just being excited for God. I mean, listening to you guys sing, listening to communion, listening to you guys fellowship, it just gets us excited because we know God's in this building. And we know how He's moving mountains through us. And it's just so exciting to see. If you haven't been with us, we were going through the book of Corinthians. If you happen to miss a week... Feel free to go on our website. We throw all the sermons up there so you can catch up. But I'll give you a brief recap of what we've been going through. So if you've been coming on Wednesday, we have an understanding of what the cross should mean to us. What the cross means to believers. What the cross means to people on the outside. We should have an understanding of what our foundation is. What we are built upon. How we are being built up. We should understand that there needs to be no divisions in the church whatsoever. We need to be able to stand as one. And that one of the most important things, we need to be so transparent as Christians and believers. How we are outside of the walls, we need to be a true Christian. And these are all things that we've been going over in the book of 1 Corinthians. And every time I get up here to speak, I get to say how I'm excited I am to speak about this because I love learning. And I love learning about the Bible, and I love going back and looking on ways that we can improve ourselves as well. And this book is written by Paul to a church that he planted. So we are getting the chance firsthand to look what other churches have been through and learn from the type of, of mistakes, learn from their successes Everything that we get to go through. And give a hand for Pastor Jeremy's message last week. I was joking around with him. There's not too many pastors that can tie in a rubber ducky with a wolf and skeletons shoved into a closet better than he did. So that was an amazing message. But there were some important things that we should have taken from that. And these rules that are being laid down for us that... We all have skeletons in our closet. You guys should have gotten to know everyone at your table very well last week. And that we are not made to judge each other. How are we to judge each other if we all have skeletons? We're not in a competition to see who the top Christian is. And at the same time, going back a couple weeks, we're not made to go and choose our favorite preacher who we want to follow. That's not what this is about. In fact, he laid it out for us last week that Paul says... If you really want to be a servant, you're going to be getting dirty. You're doing a lot of work. Life isn't as great as you're making it seem. There's a lot of stuff you're going to have to go through. So we're learning all these ways. And it's important as a young church like Journey is 
to learn from these things because Paul is talking in a very certain way. He's doing a lot of do's and don'ts. Yeses and no's. Well, I see where you're going with this, but maybe you should do it this way. He seems like a fatherly figure to this church. And the reason I'm excited on speaking on this is because I myself am a young father, and I can see how these tendencies go hand in hand together. In chapter 3, he talked about he had to teach this church like they were infants. It's like he's starting over from scratch from what he planted before. He's talking to them like they are children. And I had an example. I expected my son to be here and he's going to be bouncing off the walls. But of course it planned out that he he didn't show up because he's bouncing off the walls at home. (laughs) But to see how I'm able to teach him It's constantly, I thought I was going to change his name to No instead of Sawyer. Because every second it's no, no, no. Don't do that. You're going to hurt yourself. Get away from this way. Why don't you try doing it this way? Trying to install through his head, because he's like his dad, he's stubborn as all get-outs. It takes a lot to get through to us. So we have to be talked to like children sometimes. I can see where Paul's coming from. He has to start over. He has to start fresh. He has to find out where he didn't succeed the first time so he's able to get through them this time. And what better way than to treat them like children and start all over again and teach them the do's and don'ts, the rights and wrongs. And I feel as... I mean, I'm I'm definitely not an expert at this father thing. And I know as I sit there with him and I'm showing him the ways of the land... And I'm able to sit with them and tell them these different things that I've experienced that can help him along in his journey. And that's what Paul has been setting the tone for this whole book that we've been going through so far. I've been through this. Let's walk through this together. Let me show you that you are my children. I can take care of you. So if you guys can open your Bibles, we're going to get started tonight. Or feel free to open your phone app. If you have neither of those, you guys get bad grades and just look at the screen. (laughs) But please stand with me as we read from the Bible. And we stand to honor the Word of God. And go ahead and open up the 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to read verse 14. I am not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you. As my beloved children. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this electric evening that you can just come into these walls and just change everyone's day. That it may have been such a depressing or down day. And we hear worship like we did. We, we get to see other believers and our friends and our family. It just changes our whole mindset because it's centered all around you, God. I ask you to open our hearts and our minds Just use me as a vessel tonight to to reach one person that needs this message, Lord. I thank you for such great examples as Paul as we read through his work. It's your powerful name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Go ahead and be seated.
So Paul starts it off with this classic dad move. My dad was notorious for doing this. He never raised his voice, really, but he would slyly come in here and point out a flaw and help me move past it. And I've kind of taken that same tendency myself. He's bringing attention that they messed up. But he's not doing it to the fact where he's pointing them out to embarrass them. That's not what his goal is. That's typically not what a father's goal is. It is to correct the wrong, love them at the same time, and try to find an alternate alternative to move forward. Something that will stick with them. He's scolding them with tender care. If he would have come out guns a-blazing, the people might have shut down. It would hurt their egos. They said, I don't need to listen to this. But instead, you're killing them with kindness. You're listening to what he has to say. He is warning them so they do not fail. He is warning them to keep them away from all the bad things that can happen because he wants them to succeed. He wants them to be with Jesus Christ. He wants them to go out and share the gospel. He doesn't want to see them fail. That's the last thing he wants is or else he wouldn't even planted this church. But he knows how important these people are. And so he's just trying to direct traffic the best way he can. And he goes on in verse 15 kind of continuing on with his family theme. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. And this is the kicker, verse 16. So I urge you to imitate me. Paul is telling this church... You guys have been falling by. Why don't you imitate me? And where does Paul get off getting saying something like that? Well, last time I checked, Paul was walking where God had sent him. He was walking with him forefront in his life, making it God-centered, going through the trenches, getting dirty. Like in the previous week, we talked about going in these dirty clothes, not always something to eat, going from broken places. He's walking step for step in where God had sent him. And he's saying, if you need someone, yes, look to Jesus. But I walk with Jesus. I'm right here in front of you. I've planted you. I know what you're going through. Use me as an example if you need someone in your life. And he continues to mention, you've been taught by other people. They were taught by Apollos. Other preachers are going to come and go. All these different people are going to teach them. But Paul planted this church. Paul is invested in this church. He knows the people of the church. He loves the church. So he is one of their heavenly fathers. He will continue to always be there for him. He will continue to always fight for him. He will continue to teach them. Paul is there for this church. So he says, use me as your reference. And this whole thing about imitation is nothing new. I picked out a couple verses, and they'll be up there. The first one is from Philippians. That's what I get for using the Bible and trying to be proper. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, patting your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. 
And we go to 1 Thessalonians. So you receive the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you both imitate, you imitated both us and the Lord. And the last one should be from 1 Timothy. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive his eternal life. Paul has been through all this. We are given examples in life. We're able to learn from people. Where we're able to mold ourselves after people. And what better person to mold yourself after than someone that is embodying Christ. Someone that is going exactly where God is pushing him to go. And when I was writing this, I started thinking, I know it's corny, but that slogan in the 90s to be like Mike, that Michael Jordan thing, that would be so cool if it was still going on instead it was be like Christ. Nike won't pick that up, but it's a great thing. We're supposed to be like Christ. And the thing that we are, we're noticing here is just how much Paul cares about these people and how much he wants to be the example, how much he is centering himself in this church. He could easily walk away and say, that's enough, you guys keep messing up. But he is putting himself and saying, come back to me. Let me show you what it's like. This hasn't not happened before. And another example he brings in is, he brings in Timothy to show them. Because I know people can tell me one thing, and it's going to go right over my head. But if you keep hitting me over the head with it, if you keep showing me example of example of what a true Christian is, of someone that I can look towards, of someone I can grow from, someone that actually relates to me, then I begin to understand what they're talking about. So in verse 17, he brings in his boy Timothy. He says, that's why I've sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus, just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. This is one of his disciples. This is someone that followed Paul everywhere that he went, where Paul treated him like a child. He says right there, it's a faithful child in the Lord, just as these people in Corinth are his beloved children. This is nothing new. This centering himself around Christ, being the example, obviously works with people like Timothy. And so he's showing them, here's someone I've brought up before. He's going to keep watch over you. You can look to him and ask him any questions at all you have. And that's going to bring us to our, our table talk. Because I think it's important for us to go in and realize the examples that are given to us. As you look around this room... I see so many examples of people that I look to as being a strong Christian, a faithful follower, people that I want to base my life after because I know they're following Christ to the fullest. So I'd like us to go ahead and break off, and I'm going to ask this question, who are you looking to as an example in your life? Who do you look up to? Are you making it someone at work? Is it someone at home? Is it an athlete? Is it an actor? 
Is it a politician? Who are you looking to to base your life after? And that's going to explain a lot where we are at our walk. And if we have enough time, I'd love us to touch on that second part of it. Because, as I mentioned, the examples are all over the room. And whether you know it or not, or like to admit it, you guys are examples to other people. Being the strong followers you guys are, all those kids in the other room, look up to somebody in here. You're the example. So I'd like you to tap into, if you know all firsthand, who's looking up to you? Who are you setting the example for? So go ahead and take a few moments. Talk who the example is in your life. And then who might be looking up to you at the same time. Guys, got about a little over a minute, about a minute and a half.
try to wrap it up. Go to your last speaker of the table. Let's go ahead and bring it back. So what do you guys, does anyone have any superb examples they'd like to give out of people they follow? Does anyone feel enough guts to go ahead and answer somebody? Good one. Can't go wrong with that one. Hmm? That's a good one. Nice. We have a father. 104-year-old father. That's impressive. Anyone else? That works. Someone I always look to is, of course, Jesus. You can't go wrong looking to the perfect father. Someone that's always there for us. But in my own personal life, I always look up to my parents. When I had a different career, I'd look up the different chefs that I wanted to be like. When I was an athlete, I want to look up the different athletes. But how much that's changed once I look at the examples of people given to me of who I want to be like now. Now that I truly follow Jesus, I want to be around people that follow Jesus too. That I can look around this room and know of all the people that affected my life. That's the point that Paul is trying to get to these people. He said, I'm here, learn from me. Just as I'm able to go through a room and I'm able to look at people like Ron and Jim, Jeff and Jeremy and learn from those people. Strong believers that I truly look up to. That I know have Jesus right in the middle of their lives. And I'm able to look at them and say, that's how I need to be because they have all the faith they need in Jesus because they centered their lives, their families, everything is in a great impression to me because they're able to deal with the pain. They're able to deal with the triumphs because they center themselves around Jesus, the one that can teach them everything. As we continue on with the verse 18. Some of you have become arrogant thinking I will not visit you again. But I will come, and soon if the Lord lets me. And then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. That's what I want to talk about with that second question if you had enough time to get to it. This is a tough subject for me to to try to go through being a younger pastor. Where I get to stand up here and teach you guys. That I get to go into junior high and high school and learn and teach with them. That I go home and try to teach my son. 
to make sure that I have my sights set on the right center, that my sights are set on Jesus, that my sight is pointed to examples like Paul, like Jeff and Jeremy, our leaders, that I have them in view, that I know that when I come up here, I truly believe in everything that I talk about. I speak with the power of God because I know what He can do. That I not come up here and be one of these arrogant speakers doing speeches instead of sermons. That there are people looking at me now as an example and I have to make sure my life is right so I'm okay with people looking at me in that same way. And the best way for me to do that is look at the examples given to me. Look at the people that have handled it before, who care for me, look out for me, and are looking out for the flock of Jesus. See, these people in Corinth, they were, they were puffed with pride. They loved themselves. They thought they were the best speakers. They thought they were the ultimate Christians. They thought Paul might not return so they can continue running things their way. No, Paul's saying, no, if the Lord lets me, I'm going to come on back and I'm going to set you straight. Are you walking the walk as you talk the talk? Or are you just flapping your gums? I have this slide I like to put up there. It's this great quote I saw. You can preach a better sermon with your life than with your lips. Living the gospel means you actually have to do some work. We just can't get up here and speak without beliefs, speak without convictions, just because we like the way that we sound. As examples of this room, we all have to go out and actually live the ministry. We have to go out and love people. We have to go out and show grace. We have to go out and be the example so other people have people to look to. It's not a surprise, if I say this right now, the world is kind of a crazy place. And it, would, it desperately needs some bright spots. I see a lot of bright spots here. It's going to take some work. But we're able to go outside those doors and be the examples that the world needs at this current time. Being a true example of Christ not only makes your family a better place, but it makes the church a better place, makes the world a better place. How are you actively living the gospel? Are you doing a little more talking than walking? Because I've been guilty of that. Don't feel bad. But it takes people that I can see someone else putting in so much work that motivates me to want to do that same thing. So as you look at the people across your table, that may be the example that you need in your life to start moving forward. You guys get one more table talk. And it's the way that Paul closes out. I didn't even need to come up with a question. Paul did it for me. But in verse 21, he finishes off with a question. He says, what do you choose? 
Should I come with a rod to punish you? Or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? If you were in that church in Corinth, how would Paul come to you at this current moment? Would he come and say, your shoes don't really look too worn. You must not have been doing too much walking. Or is he going to put his arm around you and say, you're on your right track. I see that you've been following my example. I see you're following Jesus. I know it's a tough question. You guys got to talk about your skeletons last week. So go ahead and open up and talk about your current state. Right now, if Paul were to come, which would he come with you? Would he come with the rod of punishment or would he come with a loving, gentle spirit? So go ahead and break apart and talk about that. And also talk about how you can start to change. If you need a little more walking, what's something to interest you that you could start getting moving in that forward, forward direction? So go ahead and break apart and talk about that for a little bit. You guys get just a little bit longer because it's kind of a, you either get one or the other question. We've got about 10 seconds to wrap it up. All right, we're going to come back together. There's plenty of time after service, too. I just don't want to keep you guys for too long with my message. The point of that question is kind of to see where you're at, 
where the rest of your table's at. But at the same time, it's also to let you know it's never too late to start walking. It's never too late to start living by the examples of others as well and leading other people as your example. That's how chapter 4 ends. He's been, Paul has been dealing with a lot of the, the mental problems, kind of their ideas of God's power and his work and what servanthood truly is. And now in chapter 5, we're going to start dealing with moral problems. The two are connected because we're able to learn from our prime example that sin is not something we try to do. We, not, we don't gravitate towards it. We don't glorify that. Staying close to Christ means we get rid of the sin in our lives. In chapter 5, we start out in verse 1. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. Something that even pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. So if you happen to fall asleep during the message and wake up now, (laughs) I feel bad for you. (laughs) But... (laughs) But what Paul is doing is he's back to being that father figure. He's back to saying, Hey... What are you guys doing? Let me try to to right this ship now. He is showing the rights from the wrongs so they can start to move forward. And what this church is doing is that he's finding out that they're ignoring this huge problem that's going on in their church. Yes, even churches do have sin. And I hate to break it to you, but if I were to stand up here and there was a member sleeping with his stepmom, and I would just close my eyes and and act like nothing was happening, I'm pretty sure they're still going to be back there. There's still sin in this church. And being an example to others, as what Paul is saying, is sometimes we're going to have to face these tough situations head on. But the thing about doing that as a church is that we do it lovingly, gracefully, and that people can learn from it. It is not just to say, you messed up. It's to say, we're here to help you and save with you. That's right. We're here to pray together. (laughs) In verse 2, we see, you are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. And you should remove this man from your fellowship. See, Paul's asking him, how can you let this happen in your church? Not only are you sinning, but it's tough to go back to the book of Leviticus. But in 18.8 it says, this specifically, do not have sexual relations with your father's wife. He's breaking the law. He's looking and just trying to make sense of it all. How can you let this happen in your church, a place where sin is supposed to be away? And he's saying, you guys need to remove this man for your fellowship. And I know that sounds harsh. 
But these are some things that we have to go through. And in verse 3, he continues on. Even though I'm not with you in person, I'm with you in spirit. And as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man in the name of Lord Jesus. You must call a meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit, and so will the power of our Lord Jesus. We have to face sin head on because we want the chance to have salvation. We want the chance to save somebody that's going through tough times. And if they've fallen away, it's our chance to be that example for them so they can continue to move forward so they can learn from this. And what Paul is saying is, you know, I've walked with Christ. I'm an apostle. I'm able to say, hey, this guy messed up. You guys need to own up to it and kick him out. You have the authority of Jesus Christ who does not approve of this behind you as well. And he finishes off with verse 5. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. I want to make sure we look at this the right way. He does not say, hand this sinful man over to Satan and let him burn for the rest of eternity to get him out of here. No, he's saying, hand his sinful nature over to Satan. So yes, this man is going to be alone. He's just lost his church. He's probably lost his family over ever this, but his stepmom, I guess. And he's alone. And sometimes that's what it takes in life, that you hit rock bottom, that no one else is there. And you start to look for what you should have been looking for the whole time, the example that you needed. And the first hand that is going to be there to pick him up is God. That man has to repent of his sins. That man has to get the badness out of his life and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I've been messing up. I need an example. It should have been you. Let's, let's do this. And he will be picked up with that loving hand of our Savior and say, we got work to do. Let's go. And that other hand needs to be picked up by the church. It says, you repented your sins. Church is not a place to kick people out. It's a place for salvation. It's a place for saving. It's a place of love and grace that we welcome that person back in and say, let's learn from this. You have plenty of examples around you. Let's move forward and help you grow in Christ. And forgiveness, that's right. The book of Corinthians is a great reminder of things that have happened and we have a chance to learn from. But as I look through the tables, and I'm honored and blessed to be able to be up here and look at each and every one of you, I see so many examples that I'm excited for my son to be able to come through and learn from each and every one of you. Because God has something special going on in Journey. You guys are so faithful, and I know that he loves each and every one of you, and you each have special gifts to go out into this world and start changing it. That you are the example that we need. It just takes a new pair of shoes so we start walking and start living out this mission statement. It just takes a little bit for us to move forward, get out of that comfort zone, look to the leaders for strength, 
Look to the people next to you. We have rocks in this church. And it's all based around our Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this evening that we may face some tough things going on as a church, but we stand as one. That we stand together with you, Lord. That in the name of Jesus Christ, you can conquer everything. That you can help us out of the darkest, deepest things. You can help restart our life. You can help strengthen all these bad problems going on in the world. That if we need you at home, Lord, you come into the forefront. We center around you. Let's make this a better place. Let's be the living example of you, Jesus, that we can go out and just love the world, that we can put the work in, work together, be accountable for each other, learn from each other, and grow together. Journey is such a blessing, and I'm excited to see how each and every one of us go out and change this world. It's your name we pray. Amen.